You've been shot? No, I've not been shot. I've been, uh, You've been... I've been hit in the face. I've been really sick. Um, but that's about it. Have you been shot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you have? When what? I was 16. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. What? What's up, everyone? Today, I've got an online poker legend with a tale to tell. And his name metaphorically implies tales, so um, it makes it, it fits. Uh, so I thought that he had only won a mere 16 million online, but it turns out it's more like 25 million. But who's counting? Who cares? Right? And online from tournaments. And on top of that, he's had a few swings. He's gone from uh, crushing to getting crushed and facing alcoholism. A little bit of bullying got in there, and then he came back and won a ton back. And he's back here to tell his tale. He's also co-authored a book, Ape Styles, a.k.a. Jonathan Van Fleet. What's up? I appreciate the intro. You know... We're do, we had the dry run the first time. This is actually our second go. I have to, I have to say that. But um, we were vibing out the first time. I mentioned the first time that, uh, that I was a big fan, actually, that I'd seen you, you play some heads up and that I thought you were a beast, love the way you think about the game, and you were saying... Uh, well, to recap, Ape Stells, a.k.a. Jonathan Van Fleet... For all those who are paying attention, was made fun of a bit when he played poker. They were mocking him a little bit, and then he was made fun of a little uh, when he moved from California to Austin. Is that Austin? Is that right? ATX. Yes, sir. All right. He's scaring me with that comment, with that slow response that you got to be nervous for a second because of his pink, uh, pink shoelaces and his 49er jacket. Um, but uh, sounds like he's got the last laugh this time. Pink, uh, I've heard that real men wear pink, so maybe they should uh, have kept that into consideration before they made fun of you. Yeah, you know, I think that real men don't ponder too much what real men do, you know? <laughs> but but yeah, I, I agree. I, I told you a story about how I got bullied when I was younger, and uh, the end of that story ends is with me realizing that I'm bigger than them and fighting and and actually fighting back with bullies and kind of being a bully myself, to be honest with you, um, where I would look for bullies because I was a big kid. Um, what <clears throat> That was like a big part of my life and, and a big part of like forming who I became as an adult. And a lot of getting older has been about sort of unwiring un, un, un that aspect of me and not being so aggressive. Um, because uh, when I first uncovered how important that bullying thing was, it was actually with like this, this meditating, uh, I mean, this uh, hypnosis session with Elliot Rowe. Um, and I remember at the end of the session, mm-hmm. he said, uh, do you want to let that eight-year-old make decisions for you at the poker table? Because I, got, I used to get super, super mad when people would uh, three-bet me at the table. And so... <clears throat> I would just say that that bullying experience kind of shaped who I was a lot. Oh, interesting. So you're saying that the the bullying and the 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 um, psychological side effects of that on you, um, or what, like a mini trauma or something, affected 
how you might respond to people at the poker table if it like the a similar sort of pattern came. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I had this realization in that moment that when you're sort of assembling your your emotional responses to things, it, it usually happens when you're young, right? And um, experiences can make your responses like um, appropriate or not, right? And a lot of uh, my life is sort of disassembling and being able to look at the, those emotional responses and, and to me, the freedom is being able to look at them and then have some, some ability to control how I respond. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, well, the more that you, you have to re react to your desires, um, whatever form they take, the more enslaved you are. Um, well, congratulations on getting over that because I do think that a lot of playing poker, I mean, that's also true of real life, is somehow getting over your emotional um issues uh, for lack of a better word inefficiencies yes and and to do that is quite a difficult thing to do um especially in real life when something's like a deep rooted trauma versus you know, playing poker even in poker it's not so easy when you can get all flustered and there's uh you know a difficult decision on the river there's certainly a lot of people i mean even i get flustered sometimes uh that uh that do not respond particularly well to that. Um, did uh, did you happen to take these kinds of lessons and apply them elsewhere in poker or in life? I mean, I have that kind of question for you because you've chosen right in some really big spots, some crazy spots, some some bluff raising in spots no one would do spots, you know. So like, um, what I what I, I what I want to ask you is sometimes I feel like in the, in some of my bigger spots, that clear headed response was blocked by emotion for me, and I and I and I believe that that screwed me up mm -hmm. a few times. And uh, do you have any sort of thing that you tell yourself when you are flustered? Is there anything that gets you out of that zone place in a big spot? Um, let me think. So so you know I get. I um, make mistakes all the time. And there's a couple situations, particularly with junk food, actually. Well, I have like, um, I mean, I can tell you what I do with these sorts of situations is I just try to anchor myself to something that's like not as bad and then just keep lowering and lowering it, essentially. But like junk, something, something about sweets and junk food. Like I have like a sweet tooth. In poker, I'm trying to think. I, uh, yeah, if I'm really flustered, I mean, a lot of it was just repetition in poker. Uh, I would sometimes put reminders or prime myself before I'd play to, like, if I knew I had this bad tendency that was a leak of mine, I'd be like, don't hero call or remind myself to not, okay, today I'm not going to hero call against a guy who doesn't bluff that much. I'm not going <laughs> to do it or I'm not going to, like, bluff rivers or whatever it was against this guy. Um, I would have to like remind myself or like do like a little review before then. Uh, priming does work. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, I have from what I understand like psychologically, but I'm not like totally. I, I have a few different mantras like that. Um, that it's funny though. On those days where you were like, "Don't hero call," I'm sure you made some hero calls, <laughs> <laughs> but they were. You was... I mean, it would be like greatly reduced, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it depends on the player, right? I mean, it was more like, or it'd be an overall leak of sorts that I would have. 
we have to break that habit. Well, yeah, the it's thing like is, though, habit, right? So, what are the, the mantras the is, or things the that you do? Mantra, you're not looking to hero call. It's like you only make the hero calls when they're exceptional, right? And so, like, um, when, yeah. when, when yeah. they like stand out to you. And so, I think that that's really cool. I also think what you were saying with sweets is that like the way that you kind of, um, yeah, like for me. I'm way worse than you. Like I'm not like dark chocolate. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna munch a big old chocolate bar or whatever if I'm you know, but <laughs> like um, I understand like that you're you're saying that uh, the place that you go to when you like like to feel good or whatever where it's kind of irrational is is sweets and food, which obviously I do too. Um, I, I I think you know with addiction I think. That's kind of what everyone's doing, right? Everyone, to some degree, is trying to feel good and not feel bad, right? And um, and do mm-hmm. that the the way that they think makes the most sense, right? Um, it's just that I think the people that are addicted to things yeah. uh, are just doing it wrong. <laughs> they think that the, uh, for for instance, for me, I think that. I was addicted to this idea that I could completely control how I felt. And that's, that's probably why, um, or like the main addiction for me with anything instead of just feeling however you feel. What, what do you mean by that? When I was using a lot of different drugs, um, at one point in time when I was addicted to drugs, it was because I always wanted to feel good. Right. I always wanted to feel super sharp. Right. And if I didn't, I thought mm-hmm. that there was a drug or pill that could change that. So I was just layering all this stuff, just trying to feel even lost my mind on that. Right. But it was in a way it was kind of rational in that I was just trying to feel good. I believe everyone's kind of just trying to feel good. Some people are just, uh, and I think that other people are kind of trying to escape their emotions in all kinds of different ways. Um, Oh, sure. And that the main, I just, I just did it the, the craziest way possible and, and for me because i learned the best way for me is to, uh, with with drugs especially hard drugs is to stay away sure yeah i mean hard drugs are not I mean, <laughs> drugs are bad downside <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky i don't have that temptation yeah. um but yeah everyone's got their like weaknesses and so by the way i mean there's all kinds of variations of uh coping is what you're referring to Um, from what I understand, I know a decent amount of psychology, but I'm not like, you know, a super expert. I just read about it a lot. Uh, and I recognize my own little mechanisms Mm -hmm. such as, um, one example of coping that I recognized was that, um, I don't know how much of a difference it makes was that, uh, when working out, uh, I mean, I would listen to music. A lot of people listen to music when they're working out because it's boring. That's a, that's a way of coping with the boredom. Yeah. Um, or with the pain, right? I mean, that's a very simple example, but there's other, there's all kinds of different ways. People like make excuses and blah, blah, blah. In fact, um, that's one of the things that interested me in this topic of uh, spiritual enlightenment, et cetera, is like literally it's um, looking at things exactly as they are. That's like a really clear way of uh, a really big aspect of, it, I should say, is uh, simply, uh, being okay with those emotions and processing, 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 processing them accordingly. Um, uh, and so like it, it like has to do a lot with 
the more subtle variations of um, interpersonal addictions and things like that. Uh, but uh, that's it's more like, yeah, it's a, a whole another conversation. Um, would you like to say some of the things that you did to get over your addictions? Because it, it sounded like you had some friend support. It sounds like you had some mantras. It sounds like you just stayed away totally. I d- but I mean, uh, it must be hard to for- detach yourself from doing it to like staying away totally. Huh? You know, I, I didn't think that you were, I really, I really enjoyed what you were talking about there with being, with being, seeing things as they are and not trying to change them, being interested in them. And that's kind of what I'm talking about a lot of the times is that that gives me some freedom over my emotions and stuff is when I can take a step back and, and be the observer of everything, right? And just watch mm-hmm. without having, without wanting to change things for good or bad, just watching and seeing. Um, I've always been very interested in that too. In fact, mindfulness did help me um, and... and I, I was, I would have even called myself a Buddhist at, at one point in time. I, I went to uh, quite a few retreats, um, two mm-hmm. 10 day silent retreats. And, and I think that that like, um, that did a lot for, for just kind of quieting my brain and giving me a little bit of ability to, to, to step back and, and be in that observer mode, you know, and oh, that cool. helped me with addiction. But like, I'll tell you what. I know that that person is still in me and that, that I'm still an addictive person without a doubt. Yeah. Well, I mean, like everyone's got their, yeah, I think every, I don't know if it's hard to get rid of the, or it'd be, it would, it might be possible to get rid of the, uh, I mean, it would be a harder thing to get rid of the, the tendencies. I mean, everyone's got their tendencies, like just in general other strengths and weaknesses and that sort of thing. It's like whack-a-mole, you know, like if you're doing good in one area, you you screw up the other, you know, it's hard to to be, if you have like friendship, family, life, exercise, all this, it's hard to to be, and then like living healthy, like it's, it's hard to get it all right, you know? Oh yeah. Well, there, there's for sure like, uh, what is it? I think the term is called leakage or correlation between, Mm -hmm. um, different areas. If, I mean, I've noticed that myself. The more I'd pursue things like pleasure, it seemed like the more I'd be oriented towards that um, and like less oriented towards other things. It would like mess with my mind a little bit. Um, whereas it'd be easy to get into momentum, a momentum of like doing productive things over and over. There's like some kind of, there's something to do with, uh, I mean, like one one simple example is like even if you do something as simple as making your bed, it, it somehow creates... Uh, I forget the hormone, but it, it somehow gets you more in the habit of doing think productive things. If you just do that simple thing, um, I guess it's just the way mm-hmm. that the, uh, what's the term I should know this stuff, uh, the way your brain chemistry works. Um, so did you, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you used mindfulness to get over it. I knew that you went to rehab. Oh, um, yeah, I went to rehab like 10 years ago and, uh, at the orchard and in, in, on Bowen Island. Mm-hmm. And for five years, I was like really, really uh, into recovery. And that was a big part of my life. And I even stayed in Canada. Uh, well, without leaving, just so that I could keep that community and have those roots. And, um, you know, I learned a lot during that time period. Uh, <clears throat> it's not really a huge part of my life right now. 
but that was like I put a lot a lot of energy into getting better because oh man I got into a pretty bad I was in a, I was in a pretty bad place before I went to rehab um I've told this story like a thousand times, like almost enough to where I feel a little disconnected from it, but it happened. I, I, I know. <laughs> uh, like when I was in Cabo in like 2013, you could get all these different drugs from the pharmacy there. Mm-hmm. And I was staying up for like 90 hours playing. And Whoa, uh, Stevie and uh, Pat took, they actually took my computer from me. Really? Because I was just like dumping money. And they were like, listen, I was like, give me my computer back. They were like, listen, I'll give you your computer back if you can tell me what day it is. <laughs> and I got the month wrong. <laughs> um, so like, I was really, really gone for a bit. I don't know. I, like, like I said, I was trying to, to you know, <laughs> like be, the, be at that plateau chasing pleasure. And uh, yeah, you know, like I really scared my friends and, they helped me get out of there and helped me get into treatments. They stayed with my mom and, and um, for I stayed there for ninety days and really focused on on making sure that that didn't happen again because um, it, it scared me. Shit, I, I I've also dumped a shitload of money. Uh, it sucked. You you might have played me heads up. Shit, <laughs> possible. I don't know. Um. Well, that that is really intense. Uh, I guess I I just wonder about like the withdrawal symptoms. I guess there just wasn't any drugs in sight. Like one of the things that you're supposed to do, and I know there's a term for this because I've read it, but I don't remember what the term is. But you're supposed to create the situation where it's harder to get your drugs. In my case, I would like, well, I didn't. I never had serious drug problems, but I like would uh, <laughs> I would not put any junk food in my uh, place. I would like uh, not because I would eat it for sure. But uh, I mean, I would think that there's no, no uh, drugs there. But you must have like some serious withdrawal problems, is what I'm thinking. That's why. Well, that's why I went to to treatment is I needed to be fully away, like where I could not get it. I couldn't do it on my own. Um, I, I I couldn't make myself not. So uh, that's why I went to treatment is because I was on a lot of drugs and, and I had tried to, to go cold turkey and it is nasty. Um, either way, actually I went cold turkey and, and it sucked, but I couldn't leave. Um, I, it was not like, uh, you can't, the main thing that I was addicted to last time I was in treatment was opiates. And, um, like you actually can't die from an opiate withdrawal, but you just, you kind of wish you were, <laughs> it's bad, you know, and, oh, yeah. and, uh, not a lot of sleep and it, it just like, your insides don't feel very good either. So it's it's not fun. Um, but then, you know, as you get out of it, you start to feel normal again and start to appreciate that. And that's something that I actually I think about a lot. Anytime I feel shitty or think I'm in a bad mood, do you know how much, how, what you would give to feel just normal if you got, like, shot or, <laughs> or if you actually feel bad? You know, when you feel sick, what would you do to feel normal? So appreciate normalness, like, like feeling normal like that. Um, I can, so I can that, see that. That was there... kind of what happened with me is that like I started to get a good attitude and treatment and um, felt better and kind of reworked everything. But yeah, go ahead. My bad. 
No, you should speak more. Uh, that's uh, your podcast. <laughs> and um, I mean, I kind of understand. True. I've never gone through that's that exact bad stuff. I've had like some days that were bad. I've never been shot before. You've been shot? No, I've not been shot. I've been, uh, You've been... I've been hit in the face. I've been really sick. Um, but that's about it. Have you been shot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you have? When what? I was 16. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. What? Uh, shit, I didn't there? even I didn't even mean to like like bring that up. That's not even a story that I that I tell that much. Um not not because it's like trauma or anything, just because like I don't really want to be associated with any kind of violence. But um oh. Yeah, when I was 16, I was shot. Okay, do you want to talk about it more? Or I mean, I want to talk about it, but it's up <laughs> yeah, to sure, you. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> this is good for the podcast. Yeah, no doubt. Uh basically um I was drinking and I was with my friends and, and uh, we were at a house that we would all hang out at. And this guy had stolen a pound of, of weed from a friend of mine. And we went and we called up uh, the, the we knew where he was at. And we called him up and he got on the phone. My name's this. I'm going to shoot your mama. I'm going to shoot your grandma. I'm going to shoot your dad. Like, And if you come over and I was drunk and this was like a, a bad, see, this is a bad bluff call on my end, but <laughs> sometimes <laughs> we went for over real. there. <laughs> we went over there with a group of guys. I was ahead of everybody else. He uh, started blasting. It was, it was a 12 gauge, but it was uh, a Whoa. bird shot. So I got shot, blasted all over here. My lungs got coll- collapsed. Uh, still, still have pellets in me. Holy shit. Um, <clears throat> but and I got I got to ride in a helicopter, didn't really get to enjoy it, but uh, um, yeah, it was it was it was one of those first big moments in my life where I started being like contemplating things and being like, "What are you doing?" You know, and, and I did change things after that. Actually, my grades did change after that, and uh, I stopped hanging out with certain people, you know, and, and realized that <clears throat> like that wasn't the life that I wanted to live. It doesn't sound like the great life. It does not sound like the dream life, <laughs> like confronting people. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I was never like a like a, a super violent person or anything. I, I just hung out with like kind of like the bad kids in high school, you know, <laughs> like um, where we would just party and drink, but it, uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. But like, uh, yeah, like that i guess that people are always so blown away by that story especially outside of texas i guess in texas it's more normal <laughs> um but yeah actually looking at my mom after that uh what it did to her and um yeah i i, I was not doing well in school i was getting in a lot of trouble and after that i got like a's and honors courses so it did do something well, at least sure. it did something good i mean jeez that's uh Hey. Uh, some real stuff you're talking about here, like some real life stuff. Uh, somehow the it actually kind of oh, like it, it kind of like wasn't even that bad. It kind of like kind of like up my popularity in high school. Maybe a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not not really. Like I thought it was stupid, but but like it it hurt. It sucked. It was bad. It made me change things. But like it also like I don't really view it as like like trauma or myself as a victim or anything like that like um it was more just like like 
I got in the way of flying metal. That sucked. Next time somebody says they're going to shoot you, if you go over there, don't go over there. All right, that's good to know. Let that the ah. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe they'll like think to themselves, well, what if they have some popularity problems? And then I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, here, so stay away from people <laughs> yeah, with guns, like... guys. <laughs> that's it. Good message to promote. And hard drugs. Also, stay away from those. Um, I can. Uh, yeah, I haven't. Uh, I think I'm fortunate not to have that experience. Well, let's talk about some of your upswings because. You found poker in college, right? Yar. Yeah. Made $70,000 off of uh, some college kids somehow. I don't know where they like formed a confederation. That didn't happen. Sorry, man. You huh? got that one a little wrong. Uh, oh, whoops. I actually, I, I got my ass kicked by my friends. And my friends beat me. And I'm not even sure that I was up on them that much. I well, made 70000 my first year playing online. It's oh, always okay, been online, okay. baby. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. I was about to say, like, yeah. sorry, gonna, bro. Like, like, that like, much like, I definitely never said that. <laughs> I mean, I barely games. play with my friends. Once I found online, I was, I was, I was hooked on that. Like, that was way more interesting to me than than sitting there and, and playing fun poker real slow. Um, I was into tournaments, and then I met this guy Chase, who really taught me how to. Um, like the the different like two plus two and, and pocket fives and I, I got more into the study aspect of the game and that's how I made money um my first year live poker shit I'm, I'm probably down like lifetime in live poker oh wow um, <laughs> yeah it's all about the chase no. <laughs> um the glory <laughs> it's about the glory it's uh well online poker is better if you can like you can find like some good spots and crush them for a while and make money faster and can stay in your own home and all that uh i will say that 17 million from it's mostly tournaments right you play tournament poker from my understanding do we do you play much cash they're 25 million excuse me i I have no like the majority of my 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 profit is from tournament poker yeah i mean that's quite a lot I, I'm not up that much in, in tournaments. I think I'm up like if we're talking about in tournaments, like just around four million or like yeah, right around there. Uh, just um, only four million. So that's not much. Twenty years, I mean, but like, um, you know, some of that was backed, some of that was blown. You know, I, I ain't. I, I'm not sitting here uh, rolling around in money either, though. You know, um, I don't have all that four million at all. Okay, but. Uh, technically, I am up that much money um, in MTTs. Oh, congratulations! Was it? Um, how did you? Was there any secrets to your success coming up in the first place? I think I alluded to it, uh, and I think maybe you would agree too. It has to do with putting a system to it. Um, you know, actually, like studying what I'm doing. Um, making mm-hmm. sure that, um, like I was, I was not doing anything well until I met this guy Chase, who I saw made a living, had his hours he played, did, got the rake back. He even knew ICM back in like two thousand and four, um, and so honestly, Chase went on to big, bigger things. I'm pretty sure, 
but he he really sh- showed me how to put a system and be organized about it and that would that would be probably why I'm here today okay okay yeah i i, I remember reading that um that you're uh, a fan of like uh having um a structure for how you're doing things is that what you're referring to like a like some habits of uh, what you do when you play or to make sure you're you have having good habits is that what you mean yeah, basically, like, I think that poker, you can be crazy. Like, I'm a crazy person, right? Like, like I, the kind of person that played those 90-hour sessions or whatever, like, at, at one point. So, like, having, you know, when it comes down to it, though, valuing studying and trying to be systematic when I wasn't on a crazy bender, for the, for the most part, you know, uh, worked out for me. And that's still the way I am about studying basically and uh I try to be that way about bankroll management as well like I would still if we're talking about long-term success I would I would always bet on someone who knows how to manage a bankroll and plays in good games over like a a skilled player um yeah that makes sense uh definitely discipline and things like this can matter more than sheer talent sheer talent by itself can't get you that far I mean there's these days, especially, there's many people who had tons of talent who were superseded by people who didn't necessarily, that worked very hard and that had good discipline. I mean, like, I think Isolder is kind of one of them, to be honest. He had, like, a lot of talent, but he never studied really. He never had good bankroll management and played in lots of bad games. I mean, he was, like, really extreme in both directions. <laughs> He was a warrior, though. He battled. That's what I, I like that about him. Um, but yes, uh, I was I was a fan of him for sure too. And because I, I actually think another reason why I'm around still is because I I always paid attention to to how cash game players were studying the game and looking at the game because mm-hmm. MTT players for the most part uh, weren't <laughs> that much. So I I, I actually hmm. think that converting. Um, watching cash game player videos, things like that actually helped me in my career. Anyway, with uh, hmm. uh, Isildur, man, he should stick to MTTs. You can still you can still not study and win, for sure. Um, I mean, I realized I had to study. I guess, I like, thinking, whoa, like I need to know all these preflop spots and all this like ICM stuff. And, uh, um, but yeah, these days, highest stakes are just beautiful. in general. It's a good idea to study. Huh? It's so unsolved, especially if you get PKOs. Like, like right now, it, it, there's so much to study. And there's, like, we know ICM's wrong, but we don't know how wrong it is. So I still think MTTs are, like, really cool, uncharted territory. Um, where, like, cash games used to be, like, those were the good players in the cash games. But you just have to study one set of solves. Now MTTs, playing them perfectly... Knowing how to do that, that's that would be hard to do. Um, I mean, I guess the thing is the EV difference in many of the prefault decisions is not very big. And, True. I mean, you can... Yeah, I mean, it's in a way more complicated if you look at it, like, with the absolute number of decisions possible compared to... Um, well, if you play deep cash games, it's no longer true but they don't really exist that much. Like deep cash games are kind of rare, but uh, yeah, there's still potential of sorts. I wouldn't necessarily say the high stakes 
games are tournaments are like you know there's tons of value necessarily um well what about your upswing i presume your downswing was because of the uh the drug addiction what was it that contributed to your upswing to your to the comeback i mean if you're playing mtts that you're gonna you're gonna downswing even even when i the majority it's true the majority of my adult life I, I actually haven't done drugs at all really it's because i realized that they don't they don't work for me um but all right good uh I, i've i've had some downswings um but yeah like like my huge downswings for the most part were when i was loaded in fact when i went to treatment huh. i uh did this like i did this uh chart thing where I was like, my life was good when I wasn't. <laughs> then I started doing shit. My life got bad. But uh, yeah, my biggest upswings, I guess, were when I played the 25Ks on GG. Um, like, I, I think I made like in a month, like 2.6 million. And, but I only had oh, wow. like 25% of myself. <laughs> and then. Uh, then I took a huge piece of myself because I was like, "Free money, baby! I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get yacht money." And then I, I uh, dropped like 1.5 back, um, which made me personally a much bigger loser in those games <laughs> than I was oh, that's a winner. So salty, but that's that's super salty. <laughs> Stevie and Elio though got did pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played the 25Ks because I know they're tough. That is why. I know what these guys, how much they study, and I don't. I have not studied as much as them. And I'm sitting there thinking, I need to study before I like you face didn't... these guys, unless, or this game needs to be soft. In these, in these top tournament players, if they're like, basically, I'm not like primarily a top tournament player. I play the other stuff. You know, we're talking, if you're talking about cash games and whatever, that's a different story. So you didn't like study or anything, or it was mostly because of downswings that you like went up and down, and there was no secret to your comeback, or was it just just the nature of the poker or the will of the poker gods? One hundred percent. Actually, I take it back. I don't want to start anything with one hundred percent because I don't want to lose my hundred percent card. Um, but I would say that there has to be some sort of correlation in my life between how I'm living and my, my results. They're not perfect though, right? Because it's MTTs. Um, mm -hmm. And also if I associated it too much, like, you know, you're going to go through downswings and I can't just be like, what am I doing wrong in my life? You know, it's like downswings happen, the <laughs> cards happen. Um, but, but, I know that if I went back and looked back on my life, um, that my results were way better when I was paying attention to my physical health, um, studying the game, and getting good sleep, you know, obviously. Well, good sleep, by the way, is much more important than people think. Um, the other things matter too, but I don't know. I think it varies by how much they matter. Uh, I feel like I haven't noticed much of a correlation between them. Definitely studying helps, uh, obviously. But uh, one thing about sleep is I read a bit about sleep, and there's all kinds of negative side effects, even if you're, like, a little bit lacking in sleep. It's, like, the biggest thing that's necessary. Uh, it affects, like, everything, which is a little bit frustrating because it's very tempting to, like, try not to sleep, as uh, I've seen your 
aware of. <laughs> um, you're, you, you sleep, uh, I, I don't like lack too much sleep too much, but I like tried to, to, uh, push it a bit and like sleep only five hours, but like, it doesn't really happen. Basically it's, it's very hard to sleep only five hours. It's a rare trait, super rare actually that people can get away with doing that. Oh, I, I kind of do a little bit, but like, um, like my mom, my mom definitely does. And she, and she was super high functioning. Like she's, she was a, a executive, but, uh, like I actually don't get the best sleep and it's something that I'm, I'm trying to problem solve a little bit right now because I, I wake up a lot. In fact, I was, I was, I had this, uh, this band, this whoop band or whatever, and I thought I slept fine, and then I put it on, and it told me how, how I wasn't getting good sleep and how I only slept five hours uh, out of the seven or eight hours that I was in bed. And uh, I actually stopped using it because I was like, stop telling me I'm tired. I feel fine. What? <laughs> but, but, well, that doesn't make sense. But at the same time, like, I, I need uh, to fix it. Yeah, it's... um. No, I mean, there's lots of, it's easy to leak in that way. And it, and everyone who does leak is not aware. It's in this book called Why You Sleep by uh, this guy. His, name, his first name is Matthew. I forget what his last name is. But the book is called Why Why We Sleep. Um, so it might be worth checking out. Whoa. Uh, I thought we didn't know, really. We know, um, but we don't really know. Especially we don't know why we dream, right? I um it might talk a bit about that answer. I can't comment too much on dreaming. I'm like curious about it myself because there might be some element of like mysticism to it even though he specifically is skeptical of that. Although I realize there's an irony in what he said. Oh yeah, one of one of the coolest things I've ever I've, I've ever heard about like using dreams for for learning and and was uh Talking to Jordan from BBZ, he said that when he was uh, a soc soccer player as a kid, his footwork wasn't good, and he kept he kept getting you know feedback on his footwork. And one night he dreamed all night that he was working on his footwork, and he actually got better and sorted his footwork out in his dream. And like noticeably, uh, the coach said something about it. Um, and you know, <laughs> I think that's actually like. Um, and, and Jordan, he would be doing something like that as a kid, just efficiently using time better, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I thought that was cool. I will say, um, I've had a few dreams that seemed kind of, uh, telling, um, it's the more I, the ones I remember the most seem to have, seem to matter more. Well, we don't have a ton of time. Why don't we talk a bit about, um... I know you host poker. You you co-authored a book and you write and you uh, have is it online seminars that you do? I guess online poker seminars or you teach people online. Yeah, man, I teach at BBZ Poker and uh, I actually do tw two seminars a week. I love talking poker. I love studying poker. In fact, like the uh, the process of 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 learning is is something that I really like. I'll just, I think I'll always do. My mom was like, when are you going to retire? And I'm like, why retire when I have nothing else to learn, you know? So I, I love playing poker and, and, and 
helping people too if I can. So, um, yeah, that's what I do. I have a pretty good life. And, uh, you know, it's cool that I get paid to talk about a game that I love to talk about. Oh, yeah, it's amazing that uh, if you can find what you love to do that you don't want to quit is, is perfect. And if you can help people in the meantime make a positive difference, that sounds like a great situation. And then don't have the uh, other kinds of problems as well. And to not have those, excuse me. No doubt. You know, as much as I love poker, like I, 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 I can, like, I'm still kind of intermediate at teaching. And so I'm always looking for new ways to, to try to, um, teach and, and, and help facilitate like growth. And I think that, that, um, I think poker can be that. Uh, I think that for me, the, the, the challenge like, as a person with poker it has, has always been to view when things don't go my way as opportunities to learn and not beat myself up. You know, and I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, poker really does teach you how to, like, you have to be okay with, with whatever life throws at you. And I think that that, like, like, um, that would be one of those meta lessons. What, what, what would be another one of those sort of like poker meta lessons? Well, one lesson, one lesson, uh, one meta lesson would be humility, for example. Um, like if you think you're very good at poker, it's like quite a negative, uh, or you think you're on top of the world sort of situation. It's quite actually a precarious situation. This doesn't only only apply from poker, and poker is really really good at humbling. Um, and the best case scenario <laughs> is that you're right, right? So, yeah, the best case scenario is that you're right, and all the other situations are bad. <laughs> if you think that you're on top yeah. of the world, um, and there's all kinds of ways in which you learn that you're not, and that's a it keeps you grounded, which is very important. In, life and uh mtt totally be implied in other ways too i thought i'd do everything oh keep going i'm sorry yep Um. yeah that's the dangerous thing if you think you know everything that's where you get screwed it's uh i mean it's sometimes sometimes okay of course but uh when there's more stuff out there and there's there's lots of competition and volume then you get you might have a problem um now we got to wrap things up uh one last question for you What's the name of your autobiography? The name of my autobiography. I'm not that good at naming books. My book is called Winning Poker Tournaments One Hand at a Time. I should have known. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, nah, uh, for me, it just, it's all about love, man. I, and, and I love, for me, winning at life is about Loving myself, loving others, having a good time. And so the, the title of my book would just be It's All About Love. All right. That's the follow-up book, potentially. Maybe a book in the future. It's All About yeah. Love by also, uh, Jonathan like, Van Fleet. <laughs> you know what? A-plus. The other thing is just like making big-ass mistakes, man. Doing shit big. Um, and like learning from them. <clears throat> All right. I'm a fan Go of big stuff. Force. Big mistakes. Big stuff. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Jonathan. Um, I got to go. Thank you, my man. 